Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Josh Ilderton of The Untamed at the end of our Southern West Virginia bow hunt during the rut that took place last week. So Josh is an incredible spot and stock ground hunter who consistently gets it done in the mountains and he's helped me tremendously. We discussed the bow hunting only counties in West Virginia, spot and stocking and reclaimed coal mines, glassing strategies, a close call on a giant nine point, lessons learned about always having your bow with you, and then we wrap it up with the encounter that we were all waiting for the entire week. So this episode is brought to you by Spartan Forge, and the Spartan Forge app utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. The new app includes GPS mapping with incredible aerial imagery, offline dependability, deer prediction, weather updates, journal entries, and much more. You can use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20% off the Spartan Forge app at SpartanForge.ai. Tethered is a company that's founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. They have mobile hunting gear options for all types of hunters and continue to push the envelope. To learn more about Tethered and saddle hunting, head over to TetheredNation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime no-fault warranty and an incredible customer experience. The new RS2 ultralight rifle scope was designed for the all-purpose hunter and features a 2 to 10 times zoom range to cover most eastern and western hunting situations. The RS2 is our recommended scope for those who require precision but don't need the additional features of a long-range scope, thus making it perfect for small game, eastern whitetail, as well as western big game. Ultralight mountain rifle setup. So coming in at only 12 ounces is one of the lightest all-purpose scopes that are on the market today. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full-price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join me on Go Wild today to get 10 bucks to spend on gear just for setting up your account. You'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards, and you can now see my complete gear setups within my profile. Join it at timetogowild.com or just find it in the app store and use the code East Meets West to save 10% off of all hunting gear on the website, including tethered saddle setups. All right, so the only thing that I have here before getting into this podcast is we just recorded this podcast a few days ago while I was down there in West Virginia with Josh, and but I did want to talk about uh, a giveaway that I have going on right now. So I'm going to be teaming up, well, I am teaming up with Iron Will to give away a custom East Meets West Mountain Buck logo knife. Iron Will makes premium broadheads, archery components, and ultralife knives for once-in-a-lifetime hunts. And the winner will receive a K1 ultralight hunting knife 
with black coated A2 steel and my mountain buck logo engraved on the side. Plus a sharp top edge for hide entry cuts and orange and black G10 handle in a black Kydex sheath, which comes out at about a $220 value. So to win, um, if you have Instagram and if you follow me over on Instagram, Go to this post that you'll see with the knife on my personal page, Bo Martonic, Bo.Martonic, and tag a friend in the comments below. You must follow Iron Will Outfitters, East Meets West Hunt, and then myself. And then to get some additional entries, tag as many friends as you like, and all those additional tags mean more chances to win. And in addition to that, so anybody that doesn't have Instagram, any orders at eastmeetswesthunt.com, any of my apparel orders, things like that, receive an additional five extra entries. And the giveaway ends at the end of the day on Cyber Monday, November 29th, 2021. So I apologize if you're listening to this later, but that's when uh, we'll be choosing the winners. They'll be posted on the Instagram, on Instagram there and in the, the stories that we have on Instagram, Facebook, um, if you win and you don't have it and you had, had an order, we'll contact you by email, but we'll still post uh, the winner's name so everybody knows, and they'll be randomly selected from all of the entries. So head over and check out that giveaway so you can get a chance at your own custom East Meets West Mountain Buck logo knife from Iron Will. So with with that being said, it's uh, the opener of the Pennsylvania rifle season coming up here on Saturday, and I know there's some gun seasons open up in New York last weekend, and some other states have already been in full swing, so I hope everyone is is uh, having some good luck, and we'll have a safe uh, opening day here in Pennsylvania coming up. Josh, we're live. Good deal. I'm ready. You ready to go? Yeah, if you are, I am. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I feel. I feel a new. Uh, how do I want to put this? I feel uh, another wind that's kicked in here. I was. I was getting a little tired today, a little exhausted, a little wore out, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. I felt it on the way home. Is when I felt like the that exhaustion finally yep. hitting me. Yep. Uh, but then got home and got everything unpacked, and I'm like, hey. Now I feel okay. I got outside. We got a fire going. Yeah. Um, and I feel pretty good. So, but it has been a, it's been, we've hunted hard this week. We have hunted hard this week. So, and yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that we're sitting here in, at your house in Southern West Virginia and, and, uh, on the beautiful back porch, the same place we did the last one with the tethered guy. Oh yeah. Back in the, the spring season. Yeah. Back in the spring season. And, uh, we got a fire going here and some, is this, you said new rift? It is new bourbon? rift. New rift bourbon. Oh, it's good. Yeah, man. It's good. It's gonna, it's gonna make me feel a little warm inside here. That's that. And that's, that's the whole purpose. <laughs> that's the whole purpose it's doing what it's supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is definitely is so anyways josh elderton from the untamed welcome back to the show absolutely man i i look forward to just talking and bsing and talking deer and life and uh, yeah. the experiences that we had this week that you had uh coming down i'm i'm glad we we've talked about it for i think two years yeah because we met at the ATA in in twenty twenty. No, 
was there? 19. 19. Okay. In 19 at the tethered booth. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it has been a little while. Yeah. Then. And we've always talked about it, but you, with the horseshoe this year, <laughs> yeah. killed in Pennsylvania first day, killed in New York your first day, <laughs> and you still had vacation go deer hunting. I, was, I called Bo, and I was like, hey, you know, bring some of that luck my way. You did. Yeah, and you and you uh, graciously invited me down, and and it's funny because I I've talked about it on the podcast a bunch of times about me wanting to come to West Virginia to bow hunt and spot and stalk and do all of that, and I've I've been saying it for years about me wanting to do this and being one of my top hunts that I wanted to do. And well, when it's once I met you, you know, in person here, or not met you in person, but spent time right. with you here uh, in the springtime for the tethered teaching train tour and stuff, you were like, "Man, come on down!" And and after I tagged out there when you called me, I was like, "Yes, I yeah. am in." It, 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 it all the stars aligned for for a, a great week of hunting. Yeah, and you're you're. Uh, your style of hunting has always intrigued me as far as when I'm watching uh, your YouTube videos with the untamed and everything as far as you love to hunt off the ground. I like to go after the deer and not let the deer come to me. Yeah. Is is what I like to do. Um, I, I like being aggressive. And I learned that this week. Like <laughs> I, I learned first hand. Yeah, firsthand. <laughs> you told me it and I don't I didn't I mean I believed you, but uh you definitely showed me you like to be aggressive and go you like to m- either make the action or go where the action is. And I think that was it was it was awesome to get to experience that. I think the big thing is in order to go to the action, like you're saying or be in the action and you were saying you know i want to go to where the action is is it's like i want to i don't want to hunt where there's no deer i mean it's it makes it extremely difficult i mean it's i know it's a simple rule yeah or a simple idea but there's no i I see no reason to sit in an area where you may or may not have a chance to be successful and see deer, not even in kill, just see deer, be successful in seeing deer when you're when you're not even hunting where the deer are. Yeah. I see no reason to take that chance. I mean, we, we don't get very many opportunities. So why not make the best of the opportunities with your time out there and at least hunt where the deer are? Yeah. And then... You know, and you saw it this week that we were hunting one area and not one mile away. And we were seeing deer in our area, but yeah. then we would go a mile or a mile and a half away and it was action packed. Yeah. And, and that, that was so, that was so different than the way that I, I typically hunt or see it. And I was just kind of like, whoa, like, there's deer here well you know why are we moving just let it happen and i understood yeah i mean you know, it's why a, that's the it's that difference in these does that we were looking at and we you know we kind of um if the does we were looking at weren't doing anything we went somewhere where the does were kicking in head. yeah 
pretty much. Yeah. No. I don't want to get too much in, in it, the detail without, you know, yeah. you're leading me. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that I, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. So how, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. <laughs> so how, how did um, how did you get into this style of hunting? Or what's your background, I guess? And you're, have you always been from southern West Virginia here? Yeah, so I grew up in southern West Virginia. Uh, I grew up in one of the only, uh, one of four bow hunting only counties uh, in Logan County. And kind of self-taught hunter. My grandfather, you know, we had a farm growing up in an, in another county and had a camp in a, in a northern county too. And kind of just grew up squirrel hunting, deer hunting, but really no guidance on deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather, he wasn't like some superb deer hunter. He was that that classical deer hunter that you know that you see in the red and black plaid and the um, brush pants. And he's going out there during deer season only mm-hmm. for the first three days to hunt at deer camp Monday to Wednesday, and then go home for Thanksgiving. And but I picked up bow hunting somewhere around. I started shooting a bow when I was 12 or 13 and then picked up bow hunting. Probably killed my first doe when I was 15 years old. And um, I did a stint in the Marine Corps and I kind of got out of hunting, got away from it because of the uh, commitment there. And once I got out of the Marine Corps, man, I uh, I got to be buddies with a guy. Um, I had killed a couple turkeys in high school, but I, they were Jake's this and that, you know, uh, never killed any, any long beards. Yeah. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I had got out in March of that year, and and I don't even know how I hooked up with a guy named Keith Alfrey, and he was like, hey, we'll, uh, we'll go out and we'll, we'll kill your first long beard. And we hunted pretty much every day that spring gobbler season. It was in 1999. And my, he and I just hit it off. I mean, just clicked. And um, so we, you know, we... Was he older than you? Yeah, he's... Uh, so Keith's probably 54. He's, okay. probably, he's probably eight or nine years older than me. Okay. And, um, you know, and he's a really successful uh, bow hunter in southern West Virginia. And, and um, so he... We click, we kick off, and then that he was always a wild boar hunter, and so we started wild boar hunting. Um, as my dogs are barking in the back background, y'all don't worry about them. They're just bear hounds. They're they're getting ready to go in a couple weeks. <laughs> they're pretty excited, and uh, so I went hog hunting with him. We started doing that. I never hog hunted. Killed my first wild boar with him. Killed my first long beard with him. And so he's telling me how he hunts deer. And I was like, man, you know, we, we, we tree stand hunt, but he hunts on the ground a lot. So I started hunting on the ground with him. Just follow, you know, he and I hunted together. So he's the one who got me into it. Yeah. And since then, you know, cause you learn something new every day when you're out there ground hunting. Um, and that's kind of, you know, jump forward 20, you know, 22 years. 
Uh, no, I, did I add it up wrong? Yeah, no. Trump over 20. <laughs> I, I am no mathematician. <laughs> so jump forward and here, you know, here I am. I mean, that's a short and dirty of the background, but in that 22 years, I've, I've screwed up an, an amazing amount while deer hunting, but I've always learned every day I've gone out. There's so much you can learn on the ground about the animals, um, about, uh, the terrain. Yeah. Um, is that is that bothering? Can you, do you want to pause it? No, it's all right. I I don't think uh, I don't think it's picking up that much. <laughs> wow, they listen to you pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to yell. I'm afraid I'll blow the listeners' ears out. Probably scare them if they're driving. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of my my background, and now I just love doing it. I I love getting people to experience. The, that ground hunt game i mean i still i still hang in the tree you know i'm a hundred percent saddle hunter now if i'm in a tree um but i i really enjoy being on the ground yeah and so to, to give everyone kind of a background of what these types of areas you're hunting it with and you know the bow hunting only counties what what do they what do they look like from a terrain standpoint and everything else like from your words how would you explain it i would explain the you know the southern four counties are also uh coal country it they're a lot of uh reclaimed surface mines uh mountaintop removal mines they're i always kind of explain it like it's midwestern up on top and big timber steep rough terrain below the mining and and when he says steep rough terrain that, that's no joke like <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 it's, it's straight rough. up and straight down yeah like, there's not there wasn't well from what i saw there wasn't like a ton of bench systems or anything else a lot of it is literally straight from the bottom to the top just slope yeah they're they're you know, most of your hillsides, you will find an old prospect road where they went around looking at a coal seam, or you'll find an old skid road where they had logged years ago. But a majority of the terrain down there, if it's been untouched, it's a slick slope from top to bottom with, with no bench system at all. Yeah. Now, you, you might find a, uh, a flat area going off a point. Or if you're lucky enough, you can find a nice saddle going off a point between two knobs that that's huntable. Yep. A lot of a lot of the tops aren't huntable because the 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 point the ridge the point the points coming off the ridge line and the you know, the ridge line might only be twenty feet wide. Yeah. And the points going off that ridge line, they might only be eight or ten foot wide and you think that you're looking at a saddle and you go out there hell that saddle might only be at, at, at the at the low part of the saddle might be six foot wide yeah i mean you saw the point that you 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 were looking at that one point and yeah. you was like josh there's no white deer traveling that yeah no i know that's I, I couldn't i couldn't even believe it and it's like a little bit different than other you know mountain type hunting that you would be able to see it was like a lot of 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Y'all the dogs. Um, no, it's, uh, but it was different than a lot of other type of mountain hunting in and through the Appalachian or as, as, uh, everyone else except for me calls it Appalachian. Yeah. So, but I, it is, hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. Hey, if everybody's got to get used to my dialect, they can get used to the, to, to Bo's dialect. Yeah. <laughs> and now I just, I won't change it even if I'm wrong because it's just. That's exactly I, right. What I do. That's how I am. You know, I always fool people and pronounce salsa, salsa. Now I just call it salsa. And they're like, what? I said, give me some of that salsa. <laughs> you know, I just stick with it. Yeah, just got to stick with yeah. it. Yeah. But the, but the train's different than a lot of those places. And, and also in coal country, when you look at a topo map, it looks like way different than what it actually is. Because I, I learned this firsthand when I was looking at this hillside. And I'm like, man, I'm looking at the map. And it's showing that there's, you know, there's some cuts that are going in and some little, you know, hidden valleys and everything in a saddle. And I'm like, Josh, this doesn't. Am I, my eyes deceiving me? And you're like, no, that's because of the, the mining. And they cut the yeah. tops of the mountains off and then put them back together yeah. a different way. That's right. So um, so you'll see your original topo and you'll be like, you know, with the valley fields. Yeah. So you'll look at that, you'll look at that hollow on your, uh, on your mapping and you'll be like, man, that holler... Ain't, ain't as deep as it's showing on this map. Well, that's because it's all filled in. Yeah. You know, there, there's millions and millions of yards that get dumped in these hollers and fills them in. And that's what creates that valley feel. Yeah. And so it's explain to what a valley field is. So the valley feel is, you know, you, when they come through with mining, they, they, cut, they cut everything in the hollow within the footprint of the finished product of the valley feel. So... And then they put a under drain in it, so it all in, in the original string bed. And then what they do is, so there's a swell rate when they're moving the material, the blasting the material to get to down to the coal. Well, they can't use all that material to reclaim with, so they have to be able to dispose of it and or spoil it out. It's all spoil. Um, so they clear cut these hollows put their under drain in and then they dump these hollows full of what we call spoil and it's just all the extra rock and dirt that comes from mining that that is not uh, that is unable to be put back for reclamation mm-hmm. and then they but the greatest thing is is and it sounds terrible like right now but you saw firsthand what the finished product is with tree growth grass growth clover growth just unbelievable habitat for wildlife. Yeah. So you saw valley fields that have uh, t- ten to fifteen years of growth on them, mm-hmm. and they're exceptional. You know, they end up getting have a, a great bench system in them, and it's great habitat for deer. I mean, once you saw some that are only been complete two or three years mm-hmm. that were nice and grassy, yep. had clover mixed in, and then you saw some that were fifteen years that. You couldn't, we couldn't hardly see through. No, you couldn't until you got to a certain level and then you could barely see the bench. And the valley fields are like, think of steps. That's they right. go out and it'll be like a perfectly flat bench and then pretty steep drop off to the next one. And that's because of um, drainage, drainage, sediment. 
so everything's still controlled. Um, there's there's a bench every hundred vertical feet. Okay, that's uh, or every fifty vertical feet. I'm sorry. Is that what it is? It's either fifty or hundred. Don't let anybody bust my hoonies over it. Yeah. Since I'm in the mining industry, but I, it's either a fifty vertical feet or every hundred vertical feet that there is uh, a bench. Yeah, because you you worked in the you worked in the coal mines for a while, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I worked for a coal company, and which was unbe- unbelievably great because it educated me because I got to reclaim most of the land that I hunt today. Yeah. So I was learning way back, you know, eighteen twenty years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you you were telling me about the history of some of these places and when you reclaimed them and did all this. And stuff then when and I, I started my uh, contract mining company or, or contracting company, those were my first jobs. A couple of those jobs that we we actually hunted on and glassed. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool full circle. Oh yeah, type thing. Yeah, and, and knowing the deer and the genetics and stuff that's in there, it helps out even tremendously. Yeah, <laughs> these bow hunting only counties are. They're, they're they're so shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the The quality of deer that are there uh, is is pretty exceptional. I'm not gonna lie. It is. Um, well, because at one they are bow hunting only. That's exactly, that, that is the, that is the biggest thing in my opinion that that helps the Southern Four, and we call them the Southern Forts and southern west virginia but we call them the southern four because they are bow hunting only they have been bow hunting only since you know give or take since 1980 um but but don't take that that lightly because it's yeah you realized how hard it is this week yeah and that's and yeah i definitely wanted to touch on that because it there are giant deer here that is 110 percent but it might be some of the hardest hunting country out of anywhere for whitetails it's big country and even when you're you know we were doing and we'll talk more about the details of it we're doing spot and stock and all week and ground hunting and just because you can see them is far from the ability to actually be able to get on them yeah you do see a lot of deer you cover a lot of area um and but a lot of the times you lose them. Yeah. The area is so vast. That's the, it, it, I'm, I'm sure I've listened to uh, you talk about Pennsylvania woods. Yep. And, and, and our hunting, our timbers is almost the same. Yeah. Very similar. That you, it's very hard to pinpoint these deer, very hard to pattern them. Uh, the, the coal mining actually helps us pattern. Yeah. More than you would if it was just all big timber. Because if it was all big timber, there's no rhyme or reason. Uh, you listen to Trace Trace Butcher and, and Zach Markham when we were at dinner. They're they're getting pictures of, of deer that they're hunting here, and they're hunting them. And within 24 hours, not even I'm just saying within a day, they're getting a deer that that's, that's two miles away on an, on on another trail camera of theirs. Yeah. And and they they they're really good at connecting the dots, but these deer, they're very hard to pinpoint and pattern in these timber. And it sounds like it's the same thing that you all go through yeah. in PA when you're in that when you're hunting those big timber mountain bucks. Yeah, uh, they're like nomads. 
Yeah, and then the the coal mining areas and the reclaimed areas almost act as almost like food plots, essentially, for them. Would you consider it like that? Yeah, I, I would consider it like a food plot. Not not exactly, but I mean it's. But a, just just so your listeners don't think that we're just like, you know, focusing on a food plot. These food plots might be. Four thousand acres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exact. That's a very good point to add. You know, <laughs> and a lot of that landscape from the reclaim looks wide open when you're looking at it from afar, and then you get in it, and you're in eight to ten foot tall brush. That's right. And like, I mean, thick as thick can be in some of those areas. Autumn olives and all the other stuff that's growing in there. And there is there's a, a bunch of species of different um vegetation that grow good in the soil and the rock that they put back it's not completely original you know when they mined it but these are the species that over time have high survival rates and they grow well there yeah now it does make for and it makes for great habitat i mean for the bear the deer, turkeys, and we have wild boar, you know, there in in, in Logan and, and Boone County. And it makes great habitat for all four of those animals. And that's kind of the four big animals in West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, when you're hunting Logan, I told you last night, there's not another place in the state. And I would, I would go to say there might not be very many other places in the country where from the opening of bow season to the end of bow season that you can kill a wild boar, you could kill a bear, or you have an opportunity to kill a trophy whitetail all in one area. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely a, a special place. And, and the other thing about that is before we get into the hunt, actually the hunt was the the people that I've met, like your – friend group and your hunting group and stuff are a bunch of die hard bow hunters and extremely successful bow hunters i i mean and i when i get on people's podcast i try to give these guys credit and bo you got to meet a bunch of them yeah you know firsthand handshake this week and i'm telling you that i am a peon compared to some of these guys I hunt with. I mean, you're talking about guys that kill hammers year in, year out, good bow hunters, committed to bow hunting, committed to killing big bucks. And, I mean, you, I'm not trying to give you any suggestions, but you could do a month-long series on our group and just talk to those guys yeah about I, plan on, I got most of them yeah to we, we, we got a couple of them committed didn't we? yeah they said they're gonna do the podcast and i told them i'm holding them to it i'll even yeah. drive back down here if it yeah takes just it to, to get just to have on. those guys i mean when i get around them i mean i try to soak it up what what they're thinking and um what they're saying about deer i mean they're, they're just a um there are a wealth of knowledge and great bow hunters, the people that, that I hunt with. And, and, and I mean, we're friends outside of hunting, but you know, hunting brings us a lot closer. Yeah. Now they don't tell me a whole lot during season. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> They're pretty secretive. 
if it you all comes figured, out after if you ain't figured it. that out yeah they probably told you a whole lot more because you're from pa yeah and they don't know that i'm, I'm gonna buy a house down here yeah. <laughs> he talks to a real estate agent today yeah <laughs> no it's uh th- those guys are incredible i mean even last night at, at dinner when we were sitting there and listening to you know trace and and zach talk on the side and they're sitting there talking strategy and stuff and i was just soaking it all up yeah. you know just listening to it and it's pretty it's pretty incredible and those guys base so much on the deer that they're after on history that they have you know trace boone and and, and bucky and zach you know they're unbelievable shed hunters and they I don't know how many deer Trace Boone's killed because he found sheds. Zach's the same way. Bucky's the same way. And even if, like, you'd kill a deer, it'd be, I mean, I know we joked about it at dinner, but, like, you might kill a deer over in uh, Wyoming County, and one of them's liable to bring you a set of sheds and go, hey, man, I found these the last two years. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was funny because I said to Trace, I said, well, I figured you're a big shed hunter when I see on your Instagram that uh, every giant deer that you kill, you have like six years of sheds laying next to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that tells you that the, the history and the commitment that that these guys that uh, I hunt with have towards bow hunting. Yeah. And, and having that group together uh, definitely makes everybody a better bow hunter you know every when you guys just talk and you know everything and hunt together and or even if you know you all have your own spots and stuff but you learn from each other and yeah and and they're all fun to be around yeah they're hilarious they're, i mean we have uh we got a bunch of different personalities yeah a bunch of characters you know but everybody has a has a really good time hanging around yeah i i would definitely agree with that and so let's let's dive into the hunt itself. So I came I came down a day late actually than I was supposed to because of because senior Montonic because my dad killed an absolute giant in Pennsylvania, which I have to once he gets back from Montana, I'm going to get him on to tell that story. Oh, I, I want to listen to it. Yeah, because we were texting the whole day. Yeah, we were about it because yep. you were like, "Hey, Josh, I'm sorry, but." Dad shot an absolute monster, and he's been hunting him 21 days, and I don't want to tell your listeners yeah. any details, but, you know, you came down a day late. Yeah, I came down, yeah, I ended up coming down a day late, and you're like, no, like, seriously, take, you're like, take your time, spend it with your dad, come down the next day, we'll be, we'll be just fine, and so I came down Monday morning, got in in the afternoon, and, uh, man, I mean, bought my license and started, we got right into it that, that evening. Did we did we get into it Monday evening? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did. I forgot that because I worked Monday morning and got it knocked out real fast. Because you got here like one o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it takes me a little recall. Yeah. I've been on like a uh, a twenty day binge here of hunting. Yeah. Of hunting. So. Yeah. No, and it is that funny. is right. Doesn't it feel like a long time ago? Like that, that you got here? Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> tired of you. <laughs> 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 yeah 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 we yeah we spent every waking moment together so josh is probably ready to ship me off but it um so we came in and uh, i did forget we started hunting monday yeah we went in and started uh glass and things up and right away i mean we were there was some rut rut activity going on with some smaller deer yeah i mean and we talked about it though um at the office we stayed at my office um down in logan because I live about an hour and 15 minutes away. 
and I'd ask Bo, you know, what what do you want to do this week? And you know, we, we had the options of going in blind a couple of places and hanging, or seeing what was dealt to us. And you know, you you said that hey, I want to come down here and experience what you experience. Yeah, I my my whole goal for this trip was you know obviously to kill a deer, but I wanted to be a student and learn your style of hunting and just like basically soak myself in that and and do it and and so that was you know ground hunting and and a lot of glassing and a lot of yeah a lot and, of and glassing people have a misconception that in you're in southern West Virginia and you say. I'm going to go over here and glass. And they say, oh, you're you're a road hunter. And I said, no, I'm going to go over here and glass. Well, the difference in glassing, and I'm sure that Bo's eyes, if, if he didn't have good glass that he was using. Yeah. Because glass is so important. I will tell everybody, whether you're using Maven, whether you're using Vortex, whatever the hell you're using. Mm -hmm. Quality glass is worth its weight in gold. Oh, yeah. When when you're going to hunt on the ground and you want to see what you want to see. And you're going to spend all day behind that glass. And you're going to spend all day behind that glass, not straining your eyes. Yep. Um, because I want you to tell the listeners, how many hours do you think that we average per day? All of them. No, yeah, literally. I mean, literally late till dark. Other than other than going from one spot to another, yeah, I'm going to say that that I average between first light, which is at six forty five, six fifty, and then it last lights at five twenty, five thirty. So it's almost eleven hours. Out of that eleven hours, I say I stay behind glass for seven and a half hours. Yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that. So. And that's hard. That is hard. Looking through, and that's where, like you said, good glass makes such a difference. Doesn't give you headaches, doesn't give you eye strain, all of those things. And we went back and forth between using binos and a spotting scope. And what I learned, and maybe you tell me if I'm uh, describing this wrong, but you usually start out with your binos on a tripod and kind of cover the area. And then when you want to get in detailed, you grab the spotter and be, especially if it's far away to be able to really zoom in on some of those locations. So I, and I know people think I'm crazy, but I carry a set of 10 by 42s on my chest. Yep. So when I'm going to a spot, I glass everything close. Everything over my eyes, everything, you know, as I go in, I don't know how to explain it, Bo. Maybe you can help that I only go as far as my eyesight looking over. Yeah. And I and I look with my small binos, 10 by 42s. Yep. And then I've got a pair of 12 by 50s that I have on a monopod. And then. Which is, that is like a. 
It's a must have. It's a must have. A monopod. I, I never talked to anybody that used any of those before, and I'm going to be buying one after that. Even for Western hunts, I felt like they'd be so useful. It doubles as a walking stick for you. And you're able to have the the big, uh, you know, you're able to have the big glass to to be able to get in there. And I, I think uh, that's another thing I'm going to get is a, a bigger, like a bigger set of glass for for some of those locations. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about having a a ten by fifty, a twelve by fifty set of binoculars, they weigh a lot. Mm-hmm. They're not binoculars that you're going to run with. Mm-hmm. It's a set of binoculars that you need support for because it's going to wear your arms out. It's going to wear your hands out. I know it sounds crazy, but if you're looking through the glass forever, I mean, you can only keep your elbows into your sides for bone bone structure support for so long. Yep. Before it's uncomfortable, it gets heavy. So with that monopod, all I got, all I'm doing is adjusted the rod up and down for whether I'm standing up. I'm sitting down, and all I'm doing is turning and looking and focusing, and it it does not it's not cumbersome at all. Yeah, no. And then I and then I carry my spotting scope, and that's that's pretty much my package. Yeah, which is that's a lot of glass. Um, you know, <laughs> it is, and it's and good glass weighs weighs quite a bit more than you know cheaper sets. That's just yeah, the glass that's, that's just, in it. That's just the fact. You know, and you you have. Um, what what are the models of the, the Vortex ones that you have? There? So I carry I carry a, a ten by forty two um, Razor HD. I carry the twelve by fifty uh, HD, the Razor UHDs, and th- this has took me time to acquire. And then we also we have a partnership with, with Vortex, and yep. I understand that. But they their Viper series is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's affordable. For the working man, I'm sure Maven has that working, yep. the working class that that sells to that consumer. That is great glass. And then I carry a Razor uh, HD spotting scope too. That's, uh, and I'm I'm not real sure. Uh, I think it's I, it's 22 by 80. Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it's they. I just got it this year because I had a small spotting scope. Yep. And it wasn't quite doing what I wanted. So I went to a larger, heavier spotting scope, which I think would, you know, if I ever get to hunt out west, I think it would, it'd be perfect. It's a little bit heavier, but I like seeing what I'm looking at. Yep. Yeah, and that, and so so what I what I carried with me was my Maven B two nine by forty fives, which is my normal Western hunting glass for whitetails. I use their B three eight by thirties, a smaller package, but I knew it'd be glass and longer you know longer distances and it it was still felt you know wasn't too heavy on my chest so i was able to carry that around with me and hurry up and clip it onto my tripod when i needed it to be able to glass it was good and low light that was i felt like that was a perfect piece of glass for me for this hunt and then i also had uh the s2 spotter which was a small um only 12 to 27 yeah but i like that yeah it did it was a very nice compact spotting scope and it's good glass. I looked through it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not taking it. I mean, it's a good piece of glass. Yeah, and it's and it's tiny. It, yes. Yeah, it's super it is. Packing. It is. It is super. You could, that's something you throw to pack and go. Yeah, 
So, and if, but if I were to, if I were to do this hunt again, which I hope to, I would. I don't know if I'm going to have you back or not. Well, I'll just go on my own. <laughs> <laughs> he's already moseying in on me yeah I, I know your friends now no yeah so at that point i would uh i would get the i would bring my bigger set i would bring my my bigger spotter which i have the uh the cs1 which is more of their working man um series one a little bit cheaper spotting scope and be able to um uh, just because it's 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 bigger, um, so I could you know zoom in a little bit more. Gathers a little bit better light um, for those scenarios, and I'm not having to pack it in uh, a long ways. Like you know, we're able to utilize a, a truck or be able to hike to different places that aren't. It wasn't like a wasn't like a, a, a backpack hunt where ounces we weren't ounce counting. You know, from that sort of speak. So bigger, a, a bigger spotting scope like you had. Um, I think. I think for me would be something I would change out. I love that little one, but I, I like it is nice. I, I and and it's compact. Um, and you probably didn't think we'd be glassing areas. We'd be glass in that, southern West such Virginia, big country. Yeah, it literally reminded me of being in Colorado in some of those basins. Like it just it it did remind me of that. Just not the elevation. And and it and I am. It, it's fortunate that I can grab all that glass. We walk two or three hundred yards, and we set up. Excuse me, and we glass for two or three hours, or we might only glass for forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah, it just depends on what that time tells us. Yeah. No, I'd- but we can pack it all back to the truck, and we do just get to load all that heavy stuff up and drive to the next area. Yep. I I. I I don't envy the guys out west, and when you go out there and and you you got five six thousand cubic inch packs and it's sixty seventy pounds. Yeah, you know I want to do it. I don't know if I can do it, but yeah, no. So that was I I think the optic side of things. I'm glad we touched on that because I think that was a huge part. And if you can't spend time behind the glass, it'd be tough to do this style of hunting. I've always said. It's the most important part mm-hmm. of doing what the style of hunting that I do. And I started when, you know, I moved from different levels of binos through my hunting stages. And I, 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 but it's helped me because when I had the lower stages of binos, I just needed to get closer to the deer to see them. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or to make them crisper. Yep. If if that makes any sense. And the other thing that you said, um, you touched on at the beginning of this about glassing is how you why you carry a set on your chest that's a little bit smaller and then a bigger set is because we learned how important it is, you know, to sneak up to a spot and before just plopping down and glass and just sneaking over and looking down below and checking the close areas first and making sure you're not spooking any any deer out and uh we have a a lesson learned that we'll talk about there in a little bit but i had to bring that up 
<laughs> that was both of our faults. But uh, the, so after, after that first day, we saw some younger bucks running and everything. And we had an area where there was definitely a hot doe in there. So we decided to go back in there on, I guess it would be Tuesday morning to glass. And we had split up to, to be able to cover a bunch of areas. You had one area and I went to another just to be able to see. And Hagen bishop who is your guys's intern as far as filming he came along kind of bounced back and forth between between the two of us there and yeah he grinded with me for the last two weeks of grind you know of this glassing and running glassing and running god bless him yeah and he had to put up with you this week (laughs) i know it he he's a he's a trooper and he's a He's a good guy and and uh, definitely learning a lot when it comes to filming these style hunts and being a part of it and and has a great attitude and is definitely doing a doing a good job for you guys. So Hagen definitely needs a shout out there because he, oh I th- I think he does an excellent job. Yeah, he does. He does, and and, he, and he's always asking and always wanting to learn. Yeah, and then when he's not asking, he's just kind of sponging. Yep, and and listening to us. I mean, I. I I was afraid that he would, having a celebrity like you down there with me, yeah. that he was going to want to just question, question. But now he he was really good that I noticed just sponging stuff up yeah, and listening. Yeah, and he asked a lot of really good questions. Even when him and I just spent one-on-one time together, and, and he wants to learn and he listens. And I think that's a really uh, big part of it. But so that morning, um, I remember, I think I saw this one antlered spike that, we saw like 92 times on that trip and he covered like four miles. Dude, cr- that dude was slinging it. Yeah. He didn't even care. He cruised. He just cruised. Yeah. <laughs> no he does wanted him. Nah. Wanted him, but he just cruised all nah, he, day he was, he was long. trying to, trying to find it. Yeah. He was sniffing hard, but I don't think he was finding any success because we saw him and saw him and saw him. Yeah. And, and then now, uh, and then once the afternoon, rolled rolled away and if i'm missing anything definitely jump in but i remember we went to another spot and it was kind of grown up a little bit and uh this this valley field we were checking out and and we got there and we sat down and so we sat down there and uh started glassing and right away i mean it was almost right away wasn't it that you probably we we, we, we had glassed two or three minutes yeah and once you're we like, got once we got down and we kept on having to travel down um because it was so thick yeah well actually hold on before we go into that story i did miss one important part yeah you glassed up a nine point um that was locked down with a doe oh yeah that that's what i was trying to think of that was tuesday morning yeah that was Tuesday monday evening we saw some deer took inventory and said hey there's plenty of does in here let's come back yes tomorrow morning yep and that's kind of the 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 style hunting that we that i do is especially during this time of year Mm mm-hmm is that in the evenings, I'm always trying to plan for... The next day. The next day. Yep. And we'd gone in Monday evening, the first day you got there, and then we'd see four or five does. Yep. And, you know, you saw the one horn. Um, There was a little eight point. A little eight point. And we discussed it that night, and we are like, hey, I think we need to go back there in the morning to check those does. And lo and behold, we did go back in the morning... And there was a 110, 115-inch nine-point? Yep. Something like that? Yeah, yeah. With those does. Yeah, and and you called me. You're like, hey, 
Bone, there's a there's a buck over here. Do you you want to come check him out? You want to come? Do you want you want to shoot him? And he's like, he's about 110, 115. I was like, ah, I don't know. It's the first like full day of us hunting here, Josh. Let me. And you're like, just come check him out. So I I sneak up. I see you guys sitting on this point, and I come across from where I was at, and I just slipped up there real slow, and I look below, and he's 70 yards below you, bedded down with the doe in this kind of open field, and you could just see his antlers above the grass that was in there, and he was with the doe there and everything. I'm like, oh, and he turned his antlers. I'm like, he's looking better. He's looking better, and you're like, well, you go put a stock on him if you want, and I was like, no, and you know, I'd kind of, I was like, no, I'm I'm down here in, in southern West Virginia. I want to I want to hold out and and see what see what we can see there. But that was awesome to watch. He was sitting there, he's grunting and bumping that dough. Yeah, around. and then they and then they then they locked down. Mm-hmm. You kind of saw the whole process mm-hmm. there, except for the breeding. Yeah. Um, but I mean that that was pretty much our morning. Then we made a move. Yeah. Then we made the move to back to where we were talking about with uh, the one valley field that we went and set up in. Yeah. And yeah, two to three minutes in, you say to me, we got a big buck spotted. And I knew right then, <laughs> I knew right then when you said big buck, because our big buck terms are a little bit different. <laughs> like what I think is a big buck might not be a big buck to you. Oh. So when you, when you said that, I was like, all right now. All right. That's uh, that's, that's, I pulled up the glass and I was like, and I'm like, giant buck, giant buck. And, uh. And he was cruising one of those bench systems in that, that valley field. And I was like, you know, asked, I was like, Josh, you know, what, what move do we need to make? Explain how, how, why we did what we did. So if I'm not mistaken, thinking back, that buck was four benches below us. Yep. So quite a bit of elevation difference. The, at that time in the afternoon, which I think I spotted that buck at 335, 338 to be exact. Um, and wind was good at that point. Wind was, it was a crosswind that evening. Yep. And it was blowing away from the location where the buck was at. Yep. So I knew we could go down. And so I, we, watched it, we watched him for probably five minutes. Yeah, yeah, something like that. To see to, what he was going to do. To see that what type of commitment. And in these valley fields, you have these rock drains, and they're big. They're big rock, big boulders. I mean, they could be anywhere from twenty-four to sixty-inch boulders. And he committed to coming through one. Usually, they they'll travel, they'll traverse, kind of to angle up or angle down. But he he committed to coming through the first one. And there's two in this certain valley field where we're, where we're hunting, and I was like, he's gonna, he's committed to staying on that bench, that le- that elevation, that level. And so we, and Bo was like, you know, what do you what at this point, you know, what what do we do? I said we're going we're going down, we're going after him. The problem in this this situation with us is losing line of sight but we were going to lose line of sight no matter what didn't matter if we kept the spotter yeah or what we were going to lose line of sight because of elevation and slope so we start going down and every time we hit the bench going down 
we glassed him. Yep. And we found him every time until we got to the bench above him. Yep. Which is where we were planning on stopping. And that's that's where we were going to stop anyway because the wind was still crosswind. It was probably 10 or 15 after 4. It took probably 35 minutes to get to that point. Yep. Um, and we were planning on stopping there anyway because the wind was perfect. And if he came through, it wasn't a 40-yard chip shot, but, you know, 40 yards is – that's the distance that's, between those benches. Yeah, that's the distance between benches, and that's that's probably, you know, when you're hunting that open ground like that, that's going to be one. That's going to be your regular shot. Pretty average shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, so we got to that spot, and everything seemed to be good, but we couldn't get eyes on him. We couldn't figure out what he was doing until uh, we heard grunt. Is that yeah? Or do we grunt first? I think that we heard a grunt because Hagen was like, hey, I hear something walking walking past us. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's there's absolutely no way. I said, that deer is here right on us right now. I said, he is here. I said, there's no way that he got past us. And once, I think the deer grunted first. Yeah. No. Or, no. No, 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 we, no, no. No, we grunted. No, you grunted first. Yeah. Yep. You, that is absolutely right because we did not – it was enough time that he didn't travel around below us. Yep. And you and you said, what – you said, do, I, do you think I should grunt? And I was like, hell, yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about yeah. it. Yeah. And you grunted, and then probably, what, two minutes later, mm-hmm. he grunted back. And he was on our level. At and that he point. was on – he was – he was, he might have been he was pretty much on the bench that we were on. He had come up the hill. Yep. As we were coming down. Yeah, we were passing each other. That's right. He was right above up the 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 elevation we were on and I was like, "Oh my gosh. We have we've passed each other on this stalk." Yep. So but we fooled with him for another 25 minutes grunting between each other because he grunted a couple times and you you grunted a couple times yep and he never would i feel like once these deer and i it's not like turkey hunting but like i feel like that deer no matter what especially with his maturity he was not going to come down to us he wanted us to come to him yep if that makes any sense it's like calling turkeys downhill. Yep. People say you just can't do it. Well, once that buck had committed to coming up the hill, he wasn't. He he probably was not going to come back down to us. And that's just just learning those deer down there. Mm-hmm. He was committed to going up up the valley field. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. It, de- it definitely did. And at that point, then Hagen said, "Hey, I just saw a tail go up over top of the hill." And he went up and was working his way to the bench above us. And when that happened, you know, we had a very short period of time to be able to get up there and cut him off, essentially. And we started, you're like, we got to go now. We got to move to get up yeah, to that next I mean, bench. I want to go after him. I want, yeah. uh, like, I know I'm going to, there's a chance that we could bump him, run him out, but like, We definitely ain't going to kill him if we don't go. Yeah. Yep. 
So we we moved up there, and I was and I was up front because I was the one that had the bow at this point, and got up, and we're just getting up to that bench, which they're steep, so we're we're taking you know, and we don't want to be loud, so we're taking our time, but also in a hurry at the same same standpoint. We get up there, and we got to that level, and and when we got up there, like I was just peeking up over that bench before I climbed up there, and he's right there at. 30 yards making a scrape. making a scrape and he caught my movement as my head was popping up and he stopped and he looked over and I just paused no he didn't pause he said don't move oh yeah 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 I did <laughs> I said don't move he, he didn't say it that loud folks he yeah. just said don't move he's right there yeah I said don't move and when I when I did that I uh so, so when I said don't move, Josh was in a pretty awkward position. He was kind of bent over with his legs straight. And but I stayed there. You did. You did stay there the entire time. And when I when I did that, um, he he was looking at us, and and then he went back to making a scrape. And this is where I made a critical error on my part and in inexperience with with ground hunting. Is at that point I should have drew, um, but I I. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that that's what I should have did at that standpoint. Looking in hindsight is always twenty twenty, and learning from Josh after that. But I didn't draw, and I was waiting for him to calm down, and he never really completely calmed down. He put his head in the scrape, which is again where I should have drawn, and then he turned and started going down the hill, and he away from us. Oh yeah, away from us, and he started coming down, and there was no. I tried stopping him at that point, and then he ran, ran off, and. Me being, I was the, you know, it was you, then Hagen, then me, and I'm kind of bent over, and I'm just staying there when when Bo demanded that I not move. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of in that Marine Corps mindset, like, don't move. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but then Bo and I talked. We, 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 we critiqued ourselves every evening, and I kind of figured what had happened. Yeah. But not having um, that experience, like being right there, like, and we talked about it because I said, Bo, what exactly did the deer do? And Bo said, you know, he he looked at us because he heard. It startled him. But then he went back to making a scrape. And at that instant, we should have drawn yeah, definitely. You know, you know, it's not going to, things are not going to be perfect, like script perfect, by the book, what the deer's supposed to do, what you're supposed to do as a hunter. There's a, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of variables. And a lot of adapting. That's right. There's a lot of variables and a lot of field adjustments on spotting and stalking. Yep. And, and you learned it firsthand that yeah. evening. Yeah, the hard way. On and, and he was a, he was a monster. I mean, I, I'm going to say that that nine point. I think that nine point goes 155. If he was a ten, he'd be pushing over 160. Yeah, it, it's oh, he a, was out of a deer. Yeah, but that's that feeling when you're that close. Yeah, that's why I do it. Yeah, no, it it was. I mean, because you, you were feeling it. Oh, I was feeling it. <laughs> I was feeling it at that moment. I was hooked and. And yeah, and that's what what was cool is every night we go back and talk about things that we did right, things that we did wrong, and kind of you know learned from it. And that's 
what you need to do. I mean, every time you're in the woods, you learn something, and that was a definitely uh, a hard lesson to learn, I'd say. Well, it's just a hard lesson to learn because it was such a deer. I mean, that yeah. could have happened on a a spike. Yeah. You'd much rather learn it on a spike and kill the 150, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is what it is. End up, I mean, even though we don't kill that evening, you don't kill. Yep. Um, it was a successful day. Yeah, it was, yeah, 100%. I was so excited when we got back and couldn't wait. And then the next day we had temperatures that soared. Yeah, and I don't, you know, that's typical West Virginia weather. It jumped up to 75 degrees. We what we see three or four does in the morning. Yeah. And jumped up to 75, and we didn't see any more deer. No. Right? No, I don't think we, so. We hunted till dark. Yeah, we never, and, no, we never saw uh, any more deer. We just glassed and glassed and glassed and glassed. Bounced and glassed some area more. Area yeah, area. and glassed some more and glassed some more and glassed some more. Yeah, did I tell y'all we glassed some more? <laughs> and we didn't see any deer. And I'm telling you right now, when you're glassing and you ain't seeing nothing, it freaking sucks. Yeah. So, but the good thing was, was the next day after 75 degree weather, wasn't a good thing that day. Well, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. As we had a weather front moving in with a cold front, like dead behind it. Like it, we woke up. Two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, we woke up Wednesday morning, and it was 61 degrees. And when we left the mountain. No, it was Thursday morning. That would have been oh, Thursday morning. the Wednesday morning was what? Was the. Because the, Tuesday. Wednesday morning was a hot day. That's right. Wednesday, yep. we didn't have crap. Yeah. So Thursday morning. That's right. So Thursday morning, we woke up, and it was 60 degrees. I mean, I didn't even put my long handles on. I just wore a pair of lightweight pants. Yep, same here. And when we left the mountain Thursday evening, it was 39 degrees. Yeah. And it had it had rained from like 1030 to what, 3? 3, 3.30? Yeah. yeah, somewhere in that range. Because we got, I got soaking wet. Bo did not get wet because he has a sick system that obviously works because he went from pouring rain and cold – to his stuff dried out and he warm yeah and, and I, I had rain gear, I, I was but wet I didn't have it on during the the rainstorm which was my fault but um what yeah no no there was a, there was a lesson learned in that day and during the rain this is when we got soaked oh yeah that is right because uh we were talking to donnie another yeah. another guy that uh is is in our our hunting group and a, a big buck killer. Um, we're talking to him because the rain, that's what it was. Cause the rain started. We had seen a few deer, but nothing really serious. Yeah. And I was like, hey, boys, seems like a good day to go to Bobby E's <laughs> and get us a big hot breakfast. Yeah. You know, we've been at it and at it. And I was like, man, let's go to Bob Evans. We'll catch us a big breakfast. We'll come back after the storm rolls through. Yep. And we go over. Uh, uh, across the property, and, and we're getting ready to leave off the mountain, and Donnie's there sitting. And he's like, man, I just saw four bucks chasing a hot doe. Or, no, he said, I saw four bucks. There's got to be a hot doe in the area. And I was like, well, boys, 
we ain't going to get breakfast. No, no breakfast anymore. And and it's and it's really heavy rain at this point. Yep. And you know we'd gone over there, and you know when you're filming, you're always worried about your equipment. You want you want you you have to get it on film for what we do. You, you know that's what people are expecting. Yep. But there's also a value that you got to place on your equipment because it's expensive. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. You, water is not good for electronics, especially camcorders and DSLRs. No. It just they don't mix real well. <laughs> so I said, <clears throat> I said, Bo, let's run out here and look. And Bo said, "You want bring you want me to bring my boat?" I said, "No, nah, I don't worry about it. I had never, it never even crossed my mind." So we run out what eighty yards? Yeah, we run out eighty yards, and we're sitting there glassing, looking. It's pouring the rain. My cotton sweatshirt's just soaking it all up. I'm getting cold. <laughs> <laughs> and I look, and this this damn shooter buck is thirty yards from me. He he you know he pops up out of some uh, saw bars, and he's just right there. And then he kind of bounces over to his left about ten yards. I'm like, Bo, big buck. And so the lesson learned here is you don't leave the truck without a without a your choice of weapon, which down there is archery. Yep. And you don't leave the truck without the camera. Yeah, yeah. And if you're, and if you're not going to, if if you can't leave the truck without the camera, then you might as well not leave the truck. Yeah. So I run back to the truck. Bo said, "Hey, I'll keep eyes on." I was like, "Okay." So I run back to the truck. There's another lesson to be learned here yeah, too. Yeah, I, I I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and. I go back to the truck. I get the camera. I get my bow, and I'm and I, I, like I'm frantic because I mean this is this is a shooter buck. I got a chance. He's thirty yards, and I'm frantic looking for my release. And I, I called bow. Yeah, and you go. You said to me, <laughs> "I left my release at the last glassing spot. Do you have your release on you?" I said, "Yeah, I got it in my pocket." So you come back over, and the buck was just right in front of me the entire time, like literally 30 yards in front of me. I was gone, what, four or five minutes? Yeah, yeah. that's it. And you come back over, and the time that I turned around and gave you the release, and I was trying to stay low. I didn't want him to see right. it, you know. And somehow the buck disappeared, like literally completely vanished at that point. And he was right there once you had your bow, of course. But there's a, there's a catch in this release deal. Bow shoots right-handed. I am left-handed. Yeah. We both shoot thumb releases, which is good. So I was going to shoot a pinky release. I had flipped it upside down. Yeah. So I could roll the opposite way for my pinky. <laughs> yeah, Bo you said, did. Bo said, it's right-handed. I was like... I'm good. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what you said. I'm good. I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'll I'll figure it out. And <laughs> so we we were laughing and uh and anyways it didn't work out and the buck It didn't. Yeah. We watched the buck go down around with the doe and a smaller one came out then Yeah, it came came right through again. Uh on the same same must have been a hot dog. We never saw the hot dog. No. We just saw the bucks. Yep. And so that that was kind of the story there for Thursday, 
and then we got into uh, um, Friday then when a cold front came in. Yeah, so the weather had left, and it dropped that day. So Thursday evening, it was already in the upper 30s. We wake up Friday morning, and it's 31. Yeah, 31 degrees. Heavy frost. Perfect day. After a front, deer are going to be on fire. That's what we're thinking. I mean, we were excited. Like, we've not had sleep. I mean, Bo and I are sitting there talking every evening. He'll keep you up if you're ever around him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just don't sleep. Yeah, I don't. But so we get get to sleep. I mean, it's Friday. It's fifth day of hunt. I mean, it's it's a grind. Yeah. But we wake up Friday like pumped. Yeah, that cold weather had us. Yeah, I mean, both. it's like. Our this, necks were swollen like we were ready to go. Yeah, like I mean, the, like the rut. we were going to double up. Yeah. It did like turkey hunting. You know, you double up and we were going to double buck up. Yeah, we were too. That's how excited we were. And we get out yesterday morning and it's just slow. Yeah. There's just not a lot going on and it's super cold, heavy, heavy frost. And we were in an area that we were at the beginning of the week because we wanted to recheck those does. Well, the evening before, there was a there was a hot doe in the area. Yep. And uh, a buddy of ours, Dakota, had had seen those. Yep. And so we wanted to go back in there just to see, because uh, we'd seen several does in the beginning of the week, and we went back there because we 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 thought we had wore out our welcome in a couple of the places we were glassing from yeah like where the big nine was yeah and stuff like we we spent a lot of time in there after that and just we had sent just kind of just filtering through the yeah whole area. and the storm was great because it it killed all that washed it away and we ended up moving midday yeah yeah we're on midday and it's we saw so many deer as we were making the move yeah, as we were driving, there were deer everywhere. Yeah. I mean, beside the road, better beside the road. And that, I mean, they weren't big deer. They were, but we did see a big deer. I screwed it up. Yeah, yeah. We went to a spot to glass. And, and it's a short spot. Yeah, not far from the road at all. Yeah. And we hopped down there real quick, and uh, we didn't take our time to sneak over and glass those benches before we popped up on the side and jumped a... Really nice eight point. Yeah, probably 140 inch eight point, 145. Wide. Yeah. Really wide, high. So we screwed that up. Mm-hmm. Always check close, people. Always check close. And he ran out the bench and yeah. went on the end of the timber. Yeah. And we saw him go up on a bench and literally the deer went Houdini. Boom. Yeah, Houdini. Yeah. Completely vanished. We thought he bedded down. So we're sitting there. I'm, I mean, I'm literally straight. I'm just sitting there with my eyes just on that spot trying to figure out what's going on. In the meantime, a doe comes down off the hill, and here comes two other bucks, two small scrub bucks. Scrubs is toothpicks. Toothpicks. And they start, they start looking at each other. They kissed each other, and then they started just twinkling their antlers together and fighting a little bit, you know. And uh, when they did that, uh, we, we were watching them, but we can never find this other buck. And we're like, all right, well, they're heading that direction towards where that, we thought that buck bedded down. And when he, they went over there and he didn't get up. 
sort of like obviously he snuck out of there somehow. It was a hot doe. Yeah, it was a hot. I walked over there. Yep. She was the leader that walked over there, and he never stood up where we lost him in the timber. Yep. So we figured he was gone. Yep. And yeah, she brought she brought those deer. Um, the other, well, only one of the bucks because the winner of the fight came down and chased her around the valley field below us, and then she must have not have been interested in him because he comes up and walks. You took you had a selfie. I, I, with him yeah, we took a selfie video. Me and you. Yeah, he walked behind us twenty five yards. Yeah, yeah, a little six point or something like that. Yeah, and he yeah he walked right behind us, and we were laughing like, oh, obviously the deer are moving right now. So we're like, let's and you're like, let's keep glass, let's keep glassing. So we were, and this so this is where where I learned from Josh about always wanting to be in the action. Me, I'd have been like, should we just stay here all day because there was a hot doe that just came through? And you're like, we got to keep moving. We got to find what's hot right now. And we, yeah, and we moved and sat there for a while. And then finally, I think I spotted a ten point. Yep, a ten point that was going on. That there. was a stretch too. It was actually, I'll give Bo credit where credit's due. It was actually a great spot. Yeah, he was far away. Yeah, he was far. And we watched him. And, and it took me 10 minutes to find him. It's kind of like a competition. You ought to make it a competition when you're out there glassing. Yeah. Like, like I spy <laughs> a six-point. Where? <laughs> well, find it. Well, we figured out, we figured out our descriptions are terrible. Um, I, Josh was like, he's like, guys, where is it? I'm like, next to that pine tree. He's like. There's seven thousand pine trees across. Yeah. <laughs> Hagen said, and we couldn't even. It's, Josh, it's it's right behind that autumn olive. I mean, I I wish the viewers could see my face because, like, I I looked at Hagen when he said that. Yeah. It's like he's really behind the autumn olive. He's like, yeah, right over there. Well, it's twelve hundred yards, and it's behind an olive bush that is full of autumn olives. Yeah. You know, so it it was funny, but I did finally find him. Yeah, you found him. Yeah, and and I forgot the wrong phone scope adapter, so I'm trying to take video through my cell phone, and and uh, I think Hagen got it on video, didn't he? he? Did yeah, he did on the on the camcorder. So we're so you know this is where Josh was like, we have no play until he beds down, essentially, or knows what what he's doing, and he kept switching. or we or we feel commitment, yeah, because he was he was dropping elevation. Yep. He'd go across, and then he'd drop. You know, there was no commitment out of him, and we were so far away is, is why I was kind of holding back. Yeah, yep. And then he went into this rock drainage there, and the rock ditch, I guess, and he never came out the other side. So we assumed that he bedded down there. So me and Hagen went to go around and try to put a stock on that spot, essentially, while well, you stayed on the spotter all the way across the valley, and when when Bo says he's going around to put a stalk, he is not walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is it from the from the top to the top. It's one and a quarter mile around through there. Yeah, yeah. So he's. It's not like he's running to to go over there to get on him. Good point. It it is a long way away. Mm-hmm. So they they took the truck. Yeah. So we took the truck to go over there. And as we're driving, that buck comes across the road. Jumped. And you didn't even get to to where you were going. Yeah. No, no, no. He had moved that much. He snuck. He was, he was 
angling and traversing up the hill. Yeah, through the thick stuff that yeah. we couldn't see from that far away. And so, you know, at that point, you know, and we'd parked the truck and tried to go find where he went and he was gone, you know, that we actually spooked a deer and we thought it was him and I grunted and this doe just came back in and I'm like, here we go. He's going to be right behind her. And he wasn't. So went back and picked you up and we were just going to head to another spot. And that's a God awful thicket. Oh. It's a thicket that you can't see in. No, you can't see more than what? 10 feet. Yeah. If and that. it's, and it's very limited at 10. Yeah. You couldn't shoot at all, like right. not even no chance. So then we went and we were driving around another spot, and we stopped a glass. And Hagen spotted. Uh, yeah, it was it, it, Hagen did really well. He did really well spotting because you, I said, "Let's check his bottom. That buck might be in there." And that's just me knowing the terrain and knowing the land. Yep. You know, I, I've been educated up there. Yep. And. Bo got back in the truck, and we didn't move 15 or 20 yards in the truck. And 500 yards away, Hagen said, there's a deer going up the hill. And all you could see was his head and horns. That's how thick it was. Yeah. And we're looking across as he's going up the hill. So it's you can kind of see through that brush at that point yep. because of the lay of the land. Yep. If you were looking down like at the same level, you couldn't – there's Never no way you him. could spot him. Nope. And so I, 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 you know, at that point. It, yeah, at that point, it was like, all right, we're going to try to get ahead of them. That's right. And so we drove and we parked and went up this other ridge, this little, it was like a knob, and went up on the other side in the direction that he was heading. So I was looking in, I, I was looking on the map and trying to figure out, you know, which way that he was heading. And I had marked, so. I'd marked where we were at on the Spartan Forge app. I'd marked where we were at and then what direction he was heading and tr basically just trying to see if we could get ahead of him. And so we went up there and we sat and all of a sudden here comes a buck. And Hagen, we, we give him shit for it all the uh, time about how excited he gets when he sees deer. He's like, big buck, big buck, big buck. And I'm like, oh, you know, quiet, quiet. And uh, it was this, this small eight point. Well, I saw, I was like, oh, I'll play with him a little bit. And I, I grunted. And he comes, he start, he comes back. And he's looking, he's looking. He don't see nothing. So he does what a lot of deer do: is they'll circle down and try to catch your wind. Well, when he did that, he came by at thirty yards or so and could have shot him. And he went right in the brush behind us. He actually went downwind of us and never blew or anything. And th then he came to ten feet behind us and was making a scrape and right. Hagen told me today. Yeah. I don't know if he told you, but he said he was nervous as hell because he thought that that deer, he said, he said, Josh, I could hear it stomping. He said, Bo was messing with it and grunting and, and pawing the ground with his boot. He said, <laughs> was. and this deer starts stomping. He said, I thought he was going to come through the tree on me. <laughs> he said, I was so nervous. And Hagen's like, he, he's, he's going to come right here. I, I said, yeah, just get the camera up. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be good. Film this. It'll be cool. He's going to go right by the tip of my arrow. Like, it was going to be close. And uh, at that point. Because you all had great cover. Oh, yeah. We had awesome cover and some small little, I don't know if they're jack pines or whatever. What are, what are they? Oh, the, the little bushes that you're in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some firs in there and there's some white pines that end up growing. Yeah. 
just different evergreens. Yeah, different types of evergreens. So we had perfect cover from that standpoint. And and then we heard deer from in front of us. And, you know, he gets like that one story behind us. I said, we can't worry about him. Like, we know what he is. We don't know what's out in front of us. And when that happened, uh, all, and all of a sudden the moon is and my, my dad texted me earlier. He loves stuff with the moon we and everything. Yeah. And he's like, this is the best eclipse in 500 years and all this stuff. And it was a, I think it was red moon. I don't know much about it, but it was red. It was red as can be. It was rising, you know, just as it was getting, it was getting to the last 30 minutes of shooting light and we could hear these steps coming. And all of a sudden, here he comes, and Hagen's like, that's a buck, that's a buck. And at that point, we thought it was that 10-point we'd saw, which ended up being a big 8-point. Yeah, bigger and, than the 10-point. Yeah, he's bigger than the 10-point. And he comes in, and he's coming right at us. And Because I'd grunted playing right. with that other one, and this buck comes in. And, and he was being aggressive for the deer down there. Yeah. And did. they're not – you know, the deer in southern West Virginia, they're, they will be – if you can catch that special buck that's going to be responsive to a grunt, like like rattling and being vocal, is not a, not very successful. Yeah, and we heard a lot of vocalizations this week. We did very responsive, which was was good. But um, so he's coming in on a string. Yeah, he's I mean, you, you threw the bait. Yeah, he's coming in, and he's coming right at me. He's making a scrape. Then he comes in, as soon as he made the one, well, he didn't really make a scrape. He just hit the branch above, and as soon as that happened, I drew. And he was probably about, I don't know, 60 yards at that point. And he comes in, he gets to this tree in front of me that I had ranged earlier, and I had about 34 yards is what I got with my range finder. And he stands up on his back leg. Yeah, I can't wait for you all to see this footage on our YouTube channel, Go the Untamed Hunt. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because this is going to be, like, it's epic. He's it's on his back sick, legs. It's sick footage. And I've only ever seen this on my trail cameras. I've never seen a deer actually do this in real life. And he's on, and we're on the ground. And Higgins like, he's big. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know and, and uh, so I'm at full draw. And as soon as his legs hit the ground, he was slightly quartering two at that point. And I had my 30-yard uh, pin on my, my spot hog, and I, held a little bit high between there my second pen was 42 and it held a little bit high there and i put it like basically right on the right on his shoulder a little bit on the crease there um so that it would just tuck in because he was slightly quarter into what i thought at that point right well when i'm looking through my peep and at, at the pen at almost last last light yeah it almost at last light he had turned and he was basically quartering to me hard and i i did not know this and I pulled, I remember telling myself going through that shot process because I was getting excited, you know, and I right. just went through it and I felt that shot break and I felt so good. And I hear the shot and it hits him and he runs off to my left and stops. Like, like, he, he ran like 40 yards. Yeah. And he's only 30 yards from me at this point in the wide open. And I grabbed another arrow and I knocked it. And as soon as I clipped my release on and that made that little noise, he, uh, he got alert and started running. I drew back and tried stopping him. And, and I, my, my thing is, as I always try to put another arrow in them, especially, you know, when you hit one, no matter what, I'm trying to get air, even if it's not an ideal shot. And I shot. Even if it's a perfect shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. If he's and still if he's alive. standing there at 30 yards and he ran 40 yards. Yeah. Put another one in him. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I tried to put another one in him and I missed on that one. Cause he was moving at that point. He didn't stop. And, and, uh, he takes off up the hill and we hear 
crashing and crashing and crashing. And I'm like, that's a good sign. And Hagen's like, he's not making it up the hill. He's not, he can't make it up the hill. And we're getting super pumped up. And, uh, I went after that point, I went into an uncontrollable shake frenzy. Yeah, like the point where I couldn't even hold my bow because I was shaking so bad. There was a, it was a mixture of being cold because all I had on was um for anybody that uses Sika, you'll recognize. It. So it's about right about freezing, and I just had a fanatic hoodie hoodie on and a Stratus vest because I wasn't planning on being there that long. And well, you all, you all, when you just so the the listeners when they're listening to this, they left uh, the truck from me. At three forty, three forty-five, and it was, and it was five twenty when you shot. Yeah, and they Hagen and you both left the truck unprepared to stay for the next hour and forty minutes in thirty-two, thirty-three degree weather. Just so you folks know, that's that's my son stoking the fire up. Yeah. And uh he's let the uh spark screen fall. <laughs> um but you all weren't prepared. We thought it was I wasn't prepared. I thought it was gonna happen. Yeah, he right gonna, now. He was gonna cross he was moving and fast. come up. Yeah. Because that buck was moving. And you all ended up being in there an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, because there were deer around us, yeah. you know, the whole and time. All, and I and I knew that when I was out of it. I, I was like Bo's not hardly communicating. There's something going on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I, so I called you and as soon as I called you and you answered, I heard him crashing up on the hill. Um, Cause I thought he was out of sight at that point or out of even hearing level. And I hear him crashing. And so I just, I put the phone in the po- in my pocket while you were Bo on call, the line. Bo calls me and then he ghosts me. Yeah. I literally called you and then, and then like, didn't give any details. Yeah. And, and I did, he said, I just shot one. And then that was it. Yeah. And so, and then after we heard the crashing stop, I got back the phone and said, it's me at the truck and I hung up and I get back there and you're sitting in the truck and I get in and, uh, I'm and shaking. He, and he is literally shaking the whole truck. The whole truck is, is shaking. <laughs> it's like you, you're in, you're, you're in one of the motel rooms in old Vegas and you get the old vibrating bed. Yeah, you're in there and you're thinking everything's gonna be special, and you hit the old button, the whole bed just starts. Yeah, that's what the truck felt like. <laughs> not that's what they told me anyway. Yeah, not, not a, I mean, somebody told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know but, what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and uh, so we waited like an hour, and you know, he said heard crashing and stuff. But so Hagen um, d- did excellent with his footage of this buck coming in, and all that stuff, and. He got a little shaky on the the footage of the shot itself, and I'll give him credit that I I really think that he didn't know he you had held back so long, yeah, that he didn't know whether you were going to shoot, let him come, yep, and like his his footage is going to be killer. The deer coming in, doing everything he does, he he was not prepared at that point. For you to shoot because he actually told me today i mean he was really sorry yeah no and it was about the and shot I, and, and the impact and yeah. the flight but he was he he didn't think that you were going to shoot at that point point. Mm-hmm. and when you did shoot 
it did affect us and and i know nobody can go back and watch video everybody doesn't have that luxury but but we do and we want to go back and look to see what type of shot we made and and he didn't get we didn't get that opportunity because he did jerk a little bit yeah um because it startled him when you did end up shooting yeah, we just like giving him crap. Like he did, oh, did yeah. a phenomenal job with the the footage there and everything. And and but just that impact, you couldn't see it very good on the on the film. So we weren't sure, but we're like, let's go find the arrow. And well, we couldn't find the arrow, so we were kind of assuming that it was in him at that point. Like that that it was in him, and we noticed it was quarter and two a little bit harder than than uh, originally thought. But we're like all that crashing and stuff felt good. And we noticed he was holding his leg up. That is one thing that we did notice is is his front left leg. Pretty positive that that shoulder was busted up or the inside was busted. Something had drawn his leg up. Yep. He wasn't putting any weight on it. No. And, um, so we, we started going and we found blood right away at the impact site. And, and there was actually a little piece of bone fragment and a little bit of maybe muscle or yep. fat or something that was there. Sliver and, of meat. Sliver of meat. And uh, so we we were like, all right, the arrow you know, is in them there. We heard crash. Let's just see what the blood looks like. And we started going, good blood. It actually did look good. Look, Once look, we found it. Yeah. Because it was funny that we found instant blood at impact. And then we went 30, 40 yards up to where the deer had bounced to, that had run to. Mm-hmm. And then, what was it, Bo? Back to the tree line. 60, 70 Okay, so yards. it went from the impact blood to 40 yards and then back to 60 yards. And then we picked up blood again. Yeah, yep. And then it was like, it was hard in that grass to see. Oh, today no, it we, was. Today it we, was found, dark. we found some blood in right. that area. Right. But so he hit that tree line. We started finding blood, and it was quite a bit as he was going up. But yeah. it, was all, it was only from one side there what it looked like. And and so we figured it was just buried in him, and the arrow hadn't went out. And we're like, all right, we're going to find him. We saw where he was having trouble getting up the hill and everything. And we got up, got up to the top of the flat about 100 yards up that hill and was having trouble finding blood and we're like we should just back out it's going to be cold tonight it's going to be below freezing let's just wait we'll come back in the morning and josh and i went back to his office where we were staying at and reviewed the footage and talked about it until heck it was like 12 30 at night and uh before we decided we were going to go um you know and we were looking at it. We weren't really sure what was going on. We thought maybe the arrow was in. We, we figured one of two things happened. I either just grazed, you know, his leg there and, and hit his leg. we could find the arrow in that high, high grass. terrible grass. Yep. And Or it was in him and he was going to be dead. So he was either going to be dead or he was going to live. That's what we had figured. And this morning, all of your gracious friends that were just willing to jump on and help. We had seven of us. Yeah, that went in this morning. They were stoked, and all these guys are are tagged out. And they could be doing bigger and better things, and 
they were like, "Hey, we're coming." I'm yeah, I'm we're, so thankful. We're, we're going to find Bo's deer. I'm a you know a stranger to them essentially until this week, and they wanted to come in and help, and I was like, "That's awesome." They they wanted to do that, and so they came in, and um, we weren't finding any blood at first, so we started kind of going in the direction he was heading, and then Hagen ended up finding a little bit more blood where he kind of cut back, um, but. We covered a ridiculous amount of miles or acreage, 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 not miles, acreage between all of us and weren't finding anything and just kept no looking. Beds, no beds, no blood, no blood, nothing. And the more we, you know, looked at that footage again, even after that and what the sign showed us. So he bled a lot going up that hill because of what we're, you know, assuming which i think a good way to assume is that we hit that i hit his leg and he and was kind of forcing he was forcing trying that to get blood out hill. trying to get up the hill yeah. and it was ended up being probably just a muscle wound yep. essentially yep and um we searched for the good part of today and and did not find that deer i mean it it was a valiant effort very we yeah. had six and we, and we had seven because we had Hagen with us. And Hagen is, uh, you know, Hagen is the one who went back while everybody was gridding. He went back to Last Blood and actually found where that dirt turned to 90 mm-hmm. and then found the blood. But we had six very experienced whitetail, or just, not even whitetail hunters, but just experienced woodsmen. Yep. And we searched and gridded. And when you're gridding down there, I mean, you're gridding in 20-yard increments. You're not, it's not like open country. I mean, you're checking every nook and cranny and yeah, high grass, high spots. Uh, it was thick as can be in there. Yeah. And I'm going to, I haven't put like a square around what like Bucky and Donnie and me and Mark and you, Chad, all of us covered. But I w- I'd go to bet that we covered a couple hundred acres. Oh yeah, yeah. I would I would definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah. And I felt like even looking at my track that I covered a lot, and those guys were weaving in and out and even yeah. going further. And everybody had their kind of area that we were going, and everybody's gridding it and busting through brush and looking under all the any nooks and cranny, like you said, that we could find, and we did not find that deer and and i i would say i feel very very confident that that deer is is living and will be will be fine now that i saw what when we stopped from blood and seeing what we got past last blood and what hagen found and very confident that that deer's gonna live yeah i think that what happened was was and you all will see in the video that that deer was quartering to a little bit, and then he went up in the tree when he stood up, and he kind of went in there and make a scrape. And when he came down, that deer twisted, and Bo had already pulled back, so he's looking through his peep sight. So he might not see that that depth and that perspective. Yeah. But when he came down, he twisted hard quartering two. And I don't I honestly, and I know you. We've yep. talked so much. You're not going to shoot it bad shots no and because we've talked a lot about it and i honestly think at that at that point you know you're in the peep already 
you might you didn't see that twist. No, I didn't. All you see is the seam in the shoulder. Yep. Yep. And that's and that was you know that was a learning lesson for me there. And I and believe me, I do not want to take an unethical shot. And I've I've had I had you know the experience with my Pennsylvania deer where it was it was a good shot, but. I made a mistake on the, on the tracking and, and not knowing exactly where the impact was. And, and that was tough. I found the deer obviously, but that, that was a tough situation. And then this one, there was just, there was things that I, I learned from that. So one, so what I want to say from, from that experience was there was two things that happened that I don't want to say they were out of my control. Cause I, I I'm going to take full ownership with it. So just stick with me. But there, when I ranged that tree, when I came up at 34 yards, I must have hit some sort of brush in that low light that I didn't see, or I, I don't know, maybe, or maybe he was a little bit behind it. There was something to happen. He ended up being at 38 yards when I was in the broad daylight today and was able to check it. Um, going back, he was 38 yards. So he was a little bit further away, which would cause for a lower hit than normal when it comes to that. And also, he did that little bit of a twist there that came to that quarter and two that I didn't notice. What I could have 100% done was read that deer's body language better and realize that he wasn't stopping at that position, had no idea we were there based right. off of our cover. And I agree and, with that. And I we probably talk, we it, talked about it. And I probably would have had a 20 yard, 25 yard chip shot. Um, if he would have kept coming and the way the trails led, he was either go to my left or to my right. And he would have been, right. you know, broadside at that point. And that is, that was, uh, you know, on me for not waiting on that. And well, and I mean, though, all kind, everything leads up to everything. Yeah. Tuesday and, and, and <laughs> just hold, hold yourselves here for the point I'm going to make is. Bo comes down to ground hunt with me. He comes in after a day and a half. We get on a huge buck. He's at 30 yards. And I tell Bo, I said, tell me exactly what the deer does. I was like, hey, man, whenever you can pull back and get an arrow in one, you need to do that. Okay, so now fast forward to three days later, we've been glassing. We've been hunting hard. Bo has an opportunity. He doesn't see the twist yep. on the quartering degrees. But he has an opportunity to put a uh, an arrow in him, and I, I, I really feel like that affected your thought process of let's get an arrow and let's get this shot in him. Yeah. Instead of like you said, and I'm and I'm definitely not critiquing you because we talked about it for three hours last night when we yeah. got back to my place before we slept. Um. And you knew I was going to ask you because you actually brought it up because you said, would you have waited? And I was like, yes, yep. I'd have let that deer keep on coming right at me. Yep. And I would have, that deer w was coming. To, he wasn't going to stay at that tree long. He'd hit that one tree, came to that tree. He hit it and he put his glands on it. His scent was there. He was coming on. And that, and I do think that that's the big lesson here is to, Read whatever deer is in your sight at that time. Yeah. And, and 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 
see what he's doing. Make your decision. Because I think he was completely comfortable. He definitely didn't know y'all were in the picture. Yep. Your scent wasn't in the picture because he was coming from upwind. Yeah. It was perfect. I mean, it it, it, it was a perfect <laughs> storm. It didn't work out. Yeah. That's hunting. It ain't killing. Yeah. I say it all the time. Uh, yeah, and, and that's, again, reading that body language, because on Tuesday, that was a different scenario. That deer was alert. Like, he knew we were there, knew something wasn't right. So that's when, you know, it's time to, to make that that's move right. and get it done, where this deer had no idea we were there, had, wasn't even, he was in zombie mode almost, and wasn't even paying attention to anything, it seemed like anyways. So that was uh, a giant learning lesson for me, and, you know, it, it, uh, it definitely is it, it's not sitting so hot with me and it's fresh in my my mind here i never like hitting a deer that i i don't recover and i don't take that lightly even in the slightest bit um but you know i'm gonna have to move on from it and be able to go from there and that was my you know my last opportunity when i was walking out ended up coming on onto but 120 inch 10 point or so maybe 125 at best and and i didn't even i didn't even draw my bow back didn't even i was like nope i had my opportunity here and plus you know i'm i'm hunting with you and and want to be respectful to that you've been very gracious with it and i was like i i didn't deserve an opportunity at a deer at that point and i was like you know what i'm gonna chalk this up as a learning lesson and come back next year Come back next year that's that's all there is to it. Um, the horseshoe that was in my ass from earlier this year had <laughs> fallen. Give me some. I lost it somewhere. I don't know where I maybe lost it. Maybe on the drive it, down. Yeah, maybe on the drive down. Or if, if I lost it somewhere in the hunting area, if you pick it up, shove it up in there, and hopefully that you have some success going well, forward. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I still have plenty of time. Um, West Virginia's gun season comes in next week, and I'm so pumped as you've seen you know I, I, to hunt with brody again uh we we i've took a couple of weeks off getting to hunt with him but his activities and yeah. me hunting and brody's stuff. his 13 year old yeah i'm sorry yeah and uh so i'm really pumped to hunt with him for a couple of days when west virginia's gun season comes in on monday um and then i'm gonna get back after it. you know i still have plenty of time in the season to uh to find a buck here in West Virginia and, and, and get one. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't say it enough how thankful I am for you to be able to, to be willing to teach me and kind of take me under your wing and, and take me out there and, you know, put your time there. Like, I don't, I don't take that for granted. That's for sure. Oh, no, dude, I am. Uh, and you would, I hope you learn cause you keep on mentioning the guys we hunt with. They are the most, hospitable people yeah down there and i and i say it all the time then they really are and i grew up there and i've carried that hospitality with me i hope um we were all rooting for you man i know i uh, yeah everybody I mean, craig everybody was calling was. and craig you know two big bucks were killed while bo was here yeah they were there by, was my, two by my guys by the guys I hunt with, you know, Bucky killed a high one fifties ten point, and then Craig killed a, you know, a mid one sixties ten point yesterday. Yeah, I know. I got to take the pictures of Bucky's deer for him on on my camera and everything, and I was so pumped to see that because. But everybody was rooting for Bo. You know, he traveled down here. You know, Craig Craig was going to 
uh, put bow in an area that he had hunted since he had killed a deer and there were some deer coming through there. And, um, it's just a great group of guys and I can't, I, you know, I can't say that, say it enough. Yeah. No. And, um, yeah, so there's so much, there's so much about this hunt that I'd love to talk about, but I think that once you see the video, it captures yeah. a lot of it. So we'll have a, a version coming out on the Untamed, which will come out first. And I really highly recommend anybody subscribe to the Untamed YouTube channel and check out their hunts because they're freaking always action. I appreciate that. And uh, see that. And then I'll have a different version um, that comes out on my YouTube channel at some date. I don't even know when, but it will come out. And and uh, and I'm going to go into some of, some of the process of me just wanting to go down there and explaining a little bit more of the history of that but um i know we have a i'm sitting here at josh's house and he's got some guests coming in and and dinner is i'm sure ready at this point we've been a little bit long-winded well but we're not hungry we, i just had bows kept me from eating since i had a big cat head biscuit this morning <laughs> i ain't i ain't had nothing to eat since six o'clock yeah you're in a pretty good mood for uh not eating that long well, New Rift does that to you. Indeed, New Rift does, <laughs> does do that. <laughs> so, so Josh, where can everyone, I, I mentioned the YouTube channel, but where can everyone find the Untamed stuff, your guys' stuff you're putting out and, and uh, yeah, check Yeah, check out. us out on, you know, our, our mainstay is YouTube. Check us out at the Untamed. Um, you'll find everything from deer, turkey, mountain lion, a lot of hound hunting content for bears. Um, it's a pretty diverse hunting channel and you can check us out on the Instagram or Facebook at the untamed, go check out the untamedhunt.com. Check us out our store, our apparel. We appreciate everything. And yeah. I appreciate you coming down, dude. Like I've had a ball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we hunted five days. We saw, got on two big Southern West, West Virginia bucks and, that's what I wanted you to experience, and I hope you enjoyed it too. But I, I really do appreciate it, and we're, and we're definitely going to do it again. Yeah. I'll, I'm I'll, coming to PA, though, let you I know. I know you are. I told you I invited you up and coming up, and I, I want to see Josh ground hunting in Pennsylvania because I think he's going to have a blast in a different way. And then, you know, not there's not any glassing that's going on in this besides close range stuff. But I think you, when you get on the ground and some of those clear cuts and what I need to do is put you with my dad and he's, he's the guy to learn from with yeah. that and just like getting aggressive with it and getting on the ground and, and, you know, you were talking about an average shot being 40 yards in southern West Virginia in some of these places. We're talking about sub-10 yards. Yeah, some I'm with it. And, uh, I'm with it. I, th- I think you'll have a, an absolute blast. This this trip has been one of my favorite hunts to date and one of the favorite ways that the found to hunt whitetails. It's going to be hard for me to get in a freaking tree again. But uh, here we are. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited for everybody to check it out and, and uh, really – uh thanks for everyone listening here and and checking out the stuff and uh we'll talk to you soon josh all right buddy i appreciate you thanks so much for listening to this episode of east meets west hunt with your host bo martonic for more great content and to stay up to date visit eastmeetswesthunt.com facebook at east meets west outdoors and instagram at east meets west hunt if you enjoyed today's episode please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time